You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, let's get our Bibles out this morning and turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. Um, if you're not in the habit of being in the Old Testament, you might find Isaiah a little difficult to find. So if you kind of open your Bible to the middle, you'll end up around Psalms or Proverbs and uh, keep going to the right past Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. And before you get to Jeremiah, you'll find the book of Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 7 um, in our series uh, God with us today, we want to take a look, really just a look at the first word of verse 14, therefore, um, therefore, God with us, the message this week is called the mess. Um, why did Jesus Christ have to come? Why was the incarnation so important, so critical? Well, it was because of the mess. And um, the answer to the incarnation of Jesus coming, why was it necessary and why will we spend so much time on the concept of God with us is to answer that question is to understand that the event, this event of the incarnation is the continuum of God's plan that changes everything for us. Without the incarnation, there is no salvation. And so what we will look at as we come up to these weeks and into Christmas is so foundational to our faith because one had to come who could be the right and righteous payment for our sin, and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. So you got your Bibles open now. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. And although we're going to look at just verse 14, I'm going to read today uh, verses 1 to 14. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet amount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind." And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jashub, your son. Do it at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands um, at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as the king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand. It shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin, and within 65 years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary man that you weary my God? Also, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for this amazing verse that we've just finished with, one of the most popular verses in the Bible, but uh, Lord, we understand there was a context, there was a reality of when it was said, and then, Father, a greater reality as it represented the Lord Jesus Christ, and as we explore this verse during this Christmas season, we pray, Lord, that it would draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would understand better who he is and what he has done for us. Father, whether that is in the need for salvation, turning and repentance and faith, or Father, whether it is in our growth and our love for you more and more because you are an awesome God, do the work in us as we consider God with us, Emmanuel. Father, give us ears to hear your word, minds that we would understand it, and then hearts, God, to live out for your fame and your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. You can take uh, your seats. Well, we're going to, as I said, we're going to spend the series in Isaiah chapter 7, and today just in the first verse, but we want to kind of get a little bit of the setting that's before us, and so um, with this pointer, best I can, just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on here at this time in our lives, over here, uh, right over in that area right there would be where Iran is, and then Iraq, um, yeah, Iran and then Iraq is more in here. Turkey's kind of up in here. And down in here is Syria. Lebanon is over here. And then this is the area of Israel. And uh, so that's what's going on there today. Uh, but that's not what it looked like back in this day. Um, as this is written, what's going on as Isaiah speaks to Ahaz is you have the king in Damascus in Syria uh, making a connection with the tribes of the north. And originally what they wanted to do was put together a, a whole group of the nations, including Judah, to go and fight against Assyria. And so these two groups, the, the uh, Syrians and then the tribes from the north, they ask Judah, Ahaz, to join them, and he refuses. And so now they come against him, and the battle is on, and 120,000 men are killed, and 200,000 people are wounded. And now Ahaz finds himself in a very difficult place, and so he makes a connection with Assyria, the king of Assyria, to come and protect them. And in uh, 722, all of this is happening about 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Assyria comes and conquers all of this area, and then basically um, takes over, although there's still a king in Jerusalem, uh, they're basically paying their taxes and everything is going to Assyria. Just to kind of finish the Old Testament story, what will happen after Assyria rules is then that the Babylonians will come and in 586, uh, they will finally take over the south and all of this area and uh, rule this land. So that's what's kind of going on. That's where it is. That's what's happening. That's a little bit of the setting. And um, this king in the south, his name is Ahaz. Um, he's evil. Um, all of the kings in the northern kingdom um, were evil, but not all the kings in the south were evil, but Ahaz was. Keep your finger in Isaiah 7, because you're going to go back there, but turn over in your Bibles to uh, 2 Kings, or back in your Bibles to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 16. I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 8 to give you some idea of what this guy Ahaz was like. If you want to read some more of it, you can read it through in this chapter. You can also find it over in 2 Chronicles uh, 28. There's another parallel uh, story of what's going on here with this guy Ahaz. But in uh, 2 Kings 16, verse 1, 
In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, recognize those names already, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the, king of the kings of Israel. He even, listen, he even burned his son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, came up to wage war on Jerusalem, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. At that time, Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath, and the Edomites came to Elath where they dwell to this day. So Ahath sends messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, that's where he's asking for their help, um, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come and rescue me from the land of the king of Syria and from the land of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. And he sent a present to the king of Assyria and the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and he took it, carrying its people captive to Kerr, and he killed Rezin. So that's a little bit of the context of, of what's going on as we uh, consider what's happening in Isaiah um, chapter 7. In, uh, in verse 12 of Isaiah chapter 7, it says this. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. If you look back two verses in verse 10, um, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ahaz has an opportunity and the Lord speaks to him. And he says in verse 11, ask a sign of the Lord your God. And here's the breadth of what you can ask. You can ask God anything, anything from the depths of hell to the heights of heaven, from as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Cry out to the Lord. You're in a mess, and you need to go to the one who is the answer to the mess. And he says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Verse 13, and he said, hear then, a house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Ahaz, your hardened heart is affecting your people. When a leader is bad in a nation, the nation ultimately has trouble. When a father is bad in his family, the family is in trouble. When the parents don't lead their kids like they should, ultimately things get messed up. Isn't it enough that you're messing up your nation? But Ahaz, you're even now willing to test God. You even go as far as wearying God also. hey, before we get too hard on Ahaz, I just think about ourselves and our struggles. I think about the way we respond to the difficulties in our lives. Now, his might seem like a 10 out of 10 to you, and it was, but what about the difficulties we go through and don't bother coming to the Lord and asking him for help? Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And you're going through a difficulty in your home and you just try and work hard to make it work out. You, you make league with whatever you need to make league with to solve the problem, just like he did with the Assyrians. Uh, maybe it's your job or maybe it's a family member or maybe it's a... And you weary God because you don't cry out to him. You don't ask him for the solution to your problem. You don't go to him for the need. That's Ahaz's story. That's what he has done. And he creates a mess. He creates a mess. Well, then we come to verse 14. And verse 14 says, therefore, therefore. Whenever you see therefores in the Bible, it's always a good idea to ask you what they are there for. I, uh, I chose five as I was thinking about it and I was preparing because so often in Scripture, uh, they're pivotal to what's going on in our lives. They're the, the major connector to where we are, from where we are to where we need to be in our lives. Uh, here's the first one I picked, Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Um, it's important when you get married to leave home. You need to let those things go. Um, it's not that you don't respect. It's not that you don't love. It's not that you don't care. But the two become one flesh. Therefore, get out. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Coming out of our darkness, coming out of our sinfulness because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, now there is no condemnation anymore for us. The price has been paid. We have been cared for in Jesus Christ, in the beloved. Ephesians 5.1, therefore, if you go back into Ephesians 4, you'll see all kinds of stuff and the way that we aren't to be living. And we come to Ephesians 5.1, therefore... Because of all of this and because of what God has done for us, be imitators or mimics or, or follow after God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15 starts out talking about um, the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection and all the people who saw it and then talks about death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? And, and then it comes to Ephesians 15, 58. Therefore, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, because of the victory that we have, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And then one more, Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore is in scripture. When you see one, you need to go and examine what is it there for. And this, therefore, is there to answer the mess that man has created. Uh, specifically, Ahaz and Judah and Israel. It's there to give the answer to uh, what's going to come for them in judgment. But we're going to see as we go through this text, it was far greater than that because the implications of this verse uh, go right through to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ahaz, you have messed this up. Therefore, therefore, whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, uh, there is an answer that is coming. The world we live in, we have messed it up. 
We are separated from God without the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether we like it or not or want it or not, God has given the answer to our need. Therefore, therefore. And so why did it happen? Why did it have to happen? Why was the therefore so necessary in this context? I want to take a look at three things that came out of Ahaz's life, that come out of all of our lives, especially before we are in Christ. And uh, three things we, want to need to, we need to see. Here's the first one. It's called pride. Pride. The therefore is there because of Ahaz's pride. The word in pride in Hebrew is about arrogance and cynical insensitivity to the needs of others and presumption. A synonym for the word pride in the Hebrew word is the word to be high, to be high. Literally, putting yourself on the throne. That's what pride is. Pride is when you put yourself on the throne, and, and that's what Ahaz is doing in our context. But before I go there, in the Greek, in the New Testament, it's an excessive confidence or arrogance or being arrogantly superior. Ahaz is filled with pride. He says, I don't need God. I don't need to cry out to God. I'm, I'm not going to cry out to God. I can take care of this on my own. Pride is rooted as a matter of our heart. Pride says, I want what I want. The nation is going down the tubes. The mess is coming. The attacks are already on him and he won't cry out to God because he wants to be in control. I want what I want. Pride is, I want me more than I want God. We see it first in Satan in the Bible. We see it in Adam and Eve in the Bible. We see it all through Scripture when man takes his eyes off the Lord and wants what he wants. But we see it in our own lives and in our own walk with God. I want me more than I want God. Pride says, I have the answer. I know it all. Ahaz believed he could manipulate these things. He could make the connection with the Assyrians. This would all go away for him. I know is what pride says. And we can get caught up in that. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, God's word can be plain and we can still push it aside and going after what we want because I know, I know, I know I'm okay. I can work this out. I know it all. Pride neglects the word. Pride neglects the word. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz and he neglected it. He refused it. And prideful people don't spend time in God's word because they know God's word is going to bring conviction. And if you're not spending time in God's word and you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I would suggest to you, you need to check your heart as it comes to the areas of pride and, and what is God calling to you and you're refusing to do it. And the reason this book seems cold and harsh to you is, is because you're not doing what God's called you to do. You're not listening to his word because you've got yourself lifted up. You've got yourself on the throne. Pride is a lack of humility. Sue and I were on vacation for the last uh, couple of weeks, so we've had the privilege of uh, live streaming church on Saturday night. It's kind of a cool thing to do when you're away. And, uh, and so last week I was watching my son as he was preaching here. I gotta tell you, uh, not many greater thrills in my life than watching your son preach in your church. 
that's uh, not my church, you know what I mean by that, but it's such an amazing thing. He's way better looking than I am. I apologize for that. He got that from his mother. But, um, but he was speaking about humility. And one of the things he kept saying or kept resounding with me was, most of your thoughts are me thoughts. Most of your thoughts are me thoughts, right? Me thoughts. That's, that's when there's a lack of humility because you're always thinking about yourself. And, and that's what Ahaz was doing. It was because of pride. Pride is me before you. Humility is you before me. Now, the results of pride are, are the reality of things like atheism and um, agnosticism. In, in Psalm 73, 11, they said, how can God know and is there knowledge in the Most High? When you put yourself on the throne, you, you have to deal with God. You have to get rid of him. That's what happens when we are people who are filled with pride. It's called sin. It ruined Ahaz. And until we know the Lord Jesus Christ, it ruins us. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I, Ahaz's problem was me on the throne. That was his problem. That was the mess that he created. That's what the therefore was there for. Because he was proud. Well, what did James say? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the word oppose literally means to be at war with. If you're a prideful person, you're at war with God. That's a fight you're not going to win. And even as followers of Jesus Christ, in our pridefulness, God desires to give us grace, but we're always in this battle against him because of pride. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Do you want to be in opposition to God? That's the place Ahaz found himself, in opposition to God. Or do you want to be a recipient of God's grace? The therefore is there because of Ahaz's pride. Ahaz's pride led to rejection. Rejection. Ahaz on the throne led him to rejection. First of all, uh, the rejection to the message and the plan of God. Uh, God had a plan. God spoke to him and said, you come and you test me. And he said, I won't do it. He didn't want to know what God had to say. And he comes to a place of rejection. First to the message and plan of God. And Ahaz rejected the opportunity to call out to God. And God tells us to cry out to him and seek him. And, and he's rejecting God. Rejection leads to faithlessness. Faithlessness, a turning away from God. Ultimately, it leads to apostasy. Believing what I want and espousing that as the truth. And, and what I have and what I desire and what I want. It doesn't matter what God's word says. And he has, in his pride, he has rejected God. He had it all. He has had it all. 
Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, it says in verse 10. He had a relationship where God was talking to him. He had the voice of God. And then he had everything that you could ever want. He had servants and he had wealth and he had power and he had prestige and he had status and in his pride, he rejects it. Rejection ultimately leads to rebellion. Rejection ultimately leads to rebellion. Ahaz went out and tried to do it his own way. He's acting out, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it happens in his disobedience when I go after what I want and I do it more and more and more. He is worshiping. He takes the valuable things from the temple and he gives them to the king of Assyria. He takes the valuable things from his own home, from the, from the, um, from the nation, and he gives them to Assyria. He really sells his soul, as it were, in idolatry. Pride leads to rejection, leads to rebellion. He's so caught up in the world, so caught up in the world. He has the ear of God. He's hearing the voice of God, and he rejects it. So I said we were on vacation. So two weeks ago, I had the privilege to listen to Jason as, as he was preaching. And uh, I, I, a thing that resonated for me in that message, which ties into this, was about the investments in what is critical. The investments in what is critical. And that being primarily the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ahaz had no interest in what God wanted him to do. But he had interest in what he wanted to do. But as followers of Jesus Christ were called to be passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, first of all, in us as God has saved us, but then in the need for other people in the way God is working in their lives, that God would give us a heart for people. And we come to the Christmas season when people are open to at least talk about Christmas, whether it's fighting about whether something should be written on a red cup or, or the reality that it's Christmas and what's all the kerfuffle going on and why are we even doing this if it's not about Jesus? It's just a, a great way to sell stuff in stores. And the, people are open to have a discussion about this. And do we care? Are we passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and What's been accomplished in our lives? See, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, starts out with the word, therefore. Therefore. Well, what was it there for? It was there because of the reality of what had been messed up. And God comes and he's going to now speak the truth and, and he's going to judge the people. And, and we're going to see next week and the next couple of weeks what the fulfillment of some of this was in its day. But the reality for us is, uh, so what's the so what? What's the so what for us? What does this really mean for us? What does Isaiah 7, 14 really have to do with Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. The text is so much more than about Ahaz in the southern kingdom and God's judgment on them. 
Isaiah 7.14 has to do with God's plan of salvation and his deliverance of us. I wrote this down this week. If we don't understand why the incarnation, Jesus coming, if we don't understand why the, uh, the why of the incarnation, then we don't understand that we are sinners and that sin has separated us from God. Isaiah 7.14 is ultimately and primarily fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, it says, She, Mary, will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, that was the promise. That's what the, the, is spoken to Mary and to comfort her and help her understand all that's going to go on and all that's going to happen. And it says all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so there was a mess that Ahaz created that that will be answered somewhat in Isaiah's day. But the reality of Isaiah 7.14 is the answer to the mess that mankind has caused. And the therefore is for us. The therefore is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The therefore is the salvation that's available to us because of who Jesus Christ is and and what he has done for us. The one who gave up so much, who surrendered so much, so that he could come and live on this world. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Christ would come and walk on this earth and then he would suffer and he would die. He would pay the price for my sin so that I could have life and I could have it abundantly. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And God, in the incarnation, in the working of Jesus Christ, is fulfilling his great plan that we see back as far as, back into Genesis 3.15. From the beginning, God's work is now coming to fruition and it's going to happen in Jesus Christ the Lord. And the question, the question for us today is, have you received the gift from God? Have you received the gift of eternal life? You will call his name Emmanuel. He will save his people from their sin. And the gift comes to us freely. But we have to receive it. We have to receive it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, the Bible says. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, I urge you. I urge you to consider the claims of Jesus Christ the Lord and put your faith and trust in him. Come to the place of understanding just like Ahaz had messed it up and there was nothing he could do to fix it. Your life is messed up and you're separated from God and all of your good works and all the things you think you can do can't solve the root problem of your sin and you need a savior who could pay the price for you and that was Jesus Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Set aside your pride. Set aside the rejection. Set aside the rebellion and believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord. Believe. And then confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead. The reality of our salvation is that Christ came. He paid the price. He rose again. 
It's the receipt. It's the, it's the proof that he was who he said he was. He did what he said he would do. Confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead. In, for, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Not your works, not what you do, not what you can offer. It's all about who Jesus is and what he did. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. If you've never trusted Christ, today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Church, therefore, is a great reminder for us. Because therefore is there for us too. It was the therefore that brought us to the understanding of who Jesus was and the need for deliverance from our sin and, and the day we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ when we, we went from being dead in our trespasses and sins to being alive in Christ. It's, it's a great reminder. But the things that Ahaz wrestled with as a non-believer, uh, we can wrestle. We can wrestle with those things in pride. We can get to the place where we're on the throne about things in our lives and, and we're being challenged by someone in our spiritual walk and our pride rises up and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't care what the Bible says. I want what I want. And we come to rejection, not of the work of Christ, but of his faithfulness and what the word offers to us. And even in rebellion, how we live out opposed to what God is saying and what God is doing. The mess brings us to the therefore of the gospel. But it also brings us as followers of Jesus Christ to the therefore of righteous and godly living. That we would be people of God living out for the fame of the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge of it and the blessing of it. Father, we look at Ahaz and the, the word of God and King says that what he did was despicable. But Lord, that's the picture of us before we were in Christ, our rejection of you. We may not have ever sacrificed a child, but we hated you. We were in league against you. And then, Lord, you uh, reached down and you touched us and you took us from death to life. And you did your work in your way for your glory. Therefore, therefore, the mess we created was solved in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so as followers of Christ, with great hope, we move forward. And Lord, I pray for the person in the room who is at that place where pride is still ruling and uh, rejection and rebellion are still part of, of what it is. And Lord, would you bring them to brokenness in themselves to understand it's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. God, you do that work and you do it for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.